Hello, and welcome to the Landis Cooperative Experience podcast featuring the bull bear banter. We all know that markets often behave in a way that can't easily be explained. The bull bear banter is our best effort to digest the noise of the marketplace. So thank you for joining us. Sit back, relax, and let's talk about the markets. Hello, this is Cheyenne Dunham, and I'd like to welcome you to the September 18th episode of the bull bear banter. Tom Guinan is joining me today, and he's going to give us an update on the markets this week. Tom? Sure, Cheyenne. December corn gained three and a quarter cents today, closing at three seventy-eight and a half, and that is up ten for the week. March corn futures gained three and a half today, ending at three eighty-seven and a half, and that's up nine and a quarter for the week. November soybeans gained fifteen today, finishing ten forty-three and a half. That's up forty-seven and a half week on week. January soybeans added sixteen today to end at ten forty-seven and a quarter, up forty-eight for the week. So our big story this week is the continued rally in both soybean and corn since August 10th. On August 9th, December corn futures closed just above 320, and at the close today, they're about 55 cents higher since the derecho storm that ripped through the Midwest, as well as subsequent dryness and drought conditions to end the growing season. November soybean futures are up $1.70 since the storm. During that time, we've had 29 trading days and all but six of them ended the day higher. Even more impressive is that of those six days we did close lower, only two of them were more than a penny below the previous day. That's a pretty strong performance for one commodity. And there are a few items impacting both of these. Concerns about the actual crop size in the U.S. and concerns about the weather in South America and other parts of the world. And strong export demand combined with relatively weak U.S. dollar. At the end of the day, it's going to come down to supply and demand numbers. With combines starting to roll in many parts of the U.S., it won't take long for analysts to have a pretty good feel for just how big these crops are. The question mark will be the demand. A lot of the domestic demand is somewhat consistent without a market-disrupting event like COVID, so it will come down to export demand and the relative worldwide values of U.S. corn and soybeans. That story will evolve throughout the rest of the crop year. Regardless, I'm sure it will be another interesting year ahead. And with that, let's talk in more detail about the bull bear factors. Cheyenne, you're right. There's a lot of bullish factors to consider this week. Crop condition scores continue to drop. Nationally, it was estimated at 60% good to excellent, down a point from last week, but still above last year at this time of 55%. All of the main states dropped either one or two points. Iowa is now 42%. Nebraska is at 61%. Illinois is 70%, Minnesota is now at 79%, and Indiana hit 60%. Export inspections last week were 34.6 million bushels, at the very upper end of the expected range, and just below the previous week's 35 million number. However, analysts say we'll need to average almost 43 million per week to hit the USDA's projected 2.325 billion number. Export sales were also strong again this week at 63.4 million bushels, just off a little from the 71.8 million we saw the previous week. While about 14% of the sales were for China, another 38% were to unknown. Total export commitments now stand at 805 million bushels, which is a record high for this time of year and compares to 341 million last year. So for our corn bear factors, U.S. ethanol production declined last week to 272 million gallons, down 5 million from the previous week. This would imply about 94 million bushels of corn usage, which is about 3.5% below the same week a year ago. However, to hit the USDA's 
5.1 billion bushel estimate for the year, we need to average about 6% more usage this year than we did last year. This is certainly plausible if we didn't see the huge drop-off we saw during March and April, but we're starting the new year in the hole. And gasoline demand continues to run below last year as well, but last week was only about 5% below the same week last year. There is some concern that this number was mostly due to an adjustment from the previous week's dip to 14.4% below that week last year. The most recent four weeks show an average decline of about half a percent year on year. On the bull factors for beans, we've talked a lot about the Chinese demand that is helping fuel this rally. It's now fairly common to see an export sale announced about every other day or every day for China or to unknown. The other growing story is heat and dryness in South America, particularly in central and northern Brazil. Many areas are experiencing record temps of 100 degrees or higher lately. Now keep in mind, that would be like us having those temperatures in March. Add that to a lack of rainfall, and I think we'll continue to rally until change is on the way there. Export inspections were strong again last week at 47.2 million bushels. To hit the USDA's projection of 2.125 billion, we'll need to average a little more than 39 million per week. Even though export sales of 90.3 million bushels were below the previous week's 116.2 million, they were still very strong and near the top end of expectations. China bought about half of those. This puts total Chinese purchases on the books at 17.4 million metric tons versus about 530,000 last year at this time. Total commitments are a record for mid-September and stand at 1.188 billion bushels versus 411 million last year. That is more than 50% of the USDA's expected 2.125 billion exports for the year. As far as crop condition scores, the good to excellent ratings did drop again, two points, to hit 63%, but it continues to track above last year's 54% for the same week. Iowa lost another point, hitting 47%. Illinois was down 3 to 68%. Indiana lost 1 to 63%. Minnesota lost 2, but is still looking pretty strong at 79%. For soybean bear factors, one negative I can find for soybeans is the NOPA report for August. The National Oil Seeds Processing Association reported 165.1 million bushels of soybeans crushed during the month. Not only was this about 4 million below the average trade estimate, it's also the lowest monthly total in nine months, and only the third time during the 2019-2020 crop year that crush wasn't a record for that month. Our speculation is that many soybean processing plants scheduled their annual maintenance in August, which requires being offline for several days. Soy crush for the entire year is still a record, and we see no reason they will be backing off anytime soon. And as you've probably heard, there have been several cases of African swine fever discovered in Germany. China and others have already banned German pork imports. While this will be potentially bullish news for U.S. pork producers and subsequently U.S. corn and soybean producers, the loss of pork production in one country will negatively impact worldwide ending stocks for corn and soybeans. On our What to Watch for in upcoming events, the next USDA WASDE report is due on October 9th. It's going to be early to see much, if any, adjustments due to harvest data, but we should have a little better feel for the demand. And starting Monday, producers can start to apply for the next round of CFAP, or Coronavirus Food Assistance Program. The sign-up period runs through December 11th. For more details, please see the LandisCooperative.com website. 
And now for Tom's take. As Cheyenne said earlier, both corn and soybeans have really rallied the past six weeks. In the case of soybeans, we're at life of contract highs and about a dollar higher than where the November 2020 soybeans were a year ago. Corn prices have also risen dramatically, although not anywhere near life of contract highs, and it's almost 25 cents lower than a year ago for these same December 2020 futures contract. I know that many of you are bullish and believe that we're going to continue to rally, and you might be correct. I've talked recently about my concerns, and I still worry about that day when we no longer see these flash sales of soybeans or corn to China. I continue to believe they will eventually shut off their purchases, especially for soybeans. So what do you do if you're bullish, but you don't want to suffer a 50 cent or a dollar drop in soybean prices? My advice would be to put a floor under your cash price. We generally talk about minimum price contracts to do this. In order to do it, you would first have to make a decision regarding how much time you want to buy, meaning do you want protection until late February, late April, or late June? Then, depending on that answer, we'd buy a call option for you, either versus the March, the May, or the July board. All three of these futures boards are trading between 1030 and 1040, so for complete coverage, we'd advise buying a 1040 call, which is going to cost around 50 cents today. Most of our locations are paying 980 or more today, so let's just use 980 for our example. Your minimum price then becomes that 980 minus the 50 cents for the call, minus a 2 cent service fee, for a total of $9.28. This is your floor, or the worst possible outcome. Let's say you decide to buy the May 1040 call at 50 cents. Now, you have to make another decision at some point before April 23rd. If soybeans continue to rally, that call you purchased will increase in value. You just need to pay attention to what it's worth on a regular basis. If at a later date it's worth 75 cents, you can contact us and tell us to sell it, and we would just write you a check for that 75 cents per bushel. Now, add that to the 928 you received earlier, you get your total cash value and you end up with $10.03 per bushel. If on the other hand, the day after you do a minimum price contract, soybeans start to fall and the option you bought is now worth $0.25 cents, and you now think that prices are going to continue to fall, you could, and you probably should, sell it and you'll get a check from us for $0.25 cents per bushel. You would then end up with $9.53 as your cash sale, which would be better than if you had put it on storage and still had that price drop. Another alternative is what we call the min-max price. You'll receive a higher floor and a better minimum price, but you will also cap your upside potential. Either or both of these can and do work very effectively. Please contact your local grain marketing advisor for complete details. If for some reason that sounds too complicated or you're just not bullish from these levels, I still think selling soybeans is a pretty good idea. One last thought. Have you locked in your fall inputs? If you haven't yet, a good time to do that is when you're selling grain. Use that income you're generating to purchase your agronomy needs. I know one guy that always does both at the same time. If he's buying agronomy products, he's selling grain, and vice versa. He told me his philosophy is that whenever he has to write a check, he wants to also get a check. And if he's receiving a check, he wants to also write a check. That might sound too simplistic, but he swears by it and says it's a pretty uncomplicated grain marketing plan. The more I think about it, the more I like it. Thanks for listening. That's all we have for you today. We appreciate you joining us for the bull bear banter. If you'd like to contact us, you can send a tweet to at Landis Co-op or drop an email to podcast at LandisCooperative.com. Our tagline is bears make money, bulls make money, and pigs just go to market. If you have any questions regarding grain marketing decisions, please reach out to your area grain marketing advisor. We want to thank you for listening and we'll be back with you again next week. <music>